The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello listeners, Leslie Morse here. Welcome back to the Coaching Agile Teams mini-series as part of the Women in Agile podcast. Today we're kicking off another two-part discussion. When Lisa Adkins and I opened up the ninth topic for the mini-series, we knew it would contain a lot of information. And I love it's following last week's episode around models because today you'll find that we double-click into many of the topics we brought up in that prior chat. So get ready to enter a laboratory of sorts one where Lisa and I start unpacking the art and science of team coaching and group facilitation. During part one of this topic, we focus exclusively on the team coaching aspect. You'll learn more about group facilitation next week during part two. We use an operating system metaphor to orient the importance of working on yourself first and getting comfortable with the fundamentals. I find this is a really useful way for us to dance between the inner game and the outer game needed when coaching teams. And I really appreciate how Lisa names the fact that bringing in systems intelligence and coaching at the pattern and systems level seems sort of like magic. And the good news is, in many ways, it's more science than magic. You can absolutely learn this stuff. Lisa and I would love to hear from you on what you're learning from the mini series. So please find us on LinkedIn and let us know what you think. As always, if you want to stay up to date with everything happening on the Coaching Agile Teams mini series, please visit us online at www.womeninagile.org CAT. I truly hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks again for tuning in. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Leslie. I am excited for today because we are going to get into a topic that is something that I've been studying lately. And so I feel like I'm going to get a little personal masterclass. Oh, do you? Yes. Well, I'm hoping for um, it going the other way too. Because okay. you, you've recently studied it. I have. I have. Yeah. So we're going to talk about team coaching, systems coaching, group facilitation, uh, and everything that really, I think, aspiring agile coaches and existing agile coaches need to just have on their radar. For yeah. me, um, if we think about... Uh, the environments were in like laboratories. Like mm. I want to just expand everyone's sort of mental image of what's in their laboratory today. Mm, I like it. I also like the idea of a laboratory because, um, you know, the whole purpose of the laboratory is just to do something, to have an experience and learn from it. Yes. And, you know, every experiment is successful, no matter what the actual outcome of the experiment was. So I like that notion for this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm definitely inspired for, for our listeners, we record on a, pl a platform called Squadcast. And when you log in to uh, Squadcast, if you don't sort of set your name up when you come into a session, it assigns you something just quite random, but often lovely. Lisa, you've before been like, you know, the starlight moonwalker. I know it's so much fun. I never find name, put my name in anymore. I want to see what Squadcast is going to do. <laughs> yes. And today you are the brave scientist. Yes. Yeah. And so what about that sort of idea really resonates for you when it comes to this idea of 
agile coaches and being group facilitators and team coaches. So when, when someone sees someone working at the pattern or systems level, like we're going to be talking about today, I think that, I think that it's easy to think that that person has somehow got magic. Um, and, and a lot of the impact can be quite magical of this sort of skills and the mindset that we're going to be talking about today. But it is so much more just like a science experiment. Mm -hmm. And all you're doing really is that you've learned um, a, a process that you're trying to take a group through because you think it's going to be helpful for addressing the thing that's going on with them in this moment, which is typically also the thing that holds them back, you know, time and time again. And, um, and it's much more like science than it is like magic. And so I just want people to know that like everything we're talking about are learnable skills. And I, yeah. to this day, when I'm taking a group through a process and then I'm, um, I'm working on a, let's, let's say I'm working on their ability to navigate conflict better. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm thinking about their next session because they've said, okay, in the next session, we're really going to talk about this aspect of how we work with conflict. I go to my books. Yeah. I go look up the steps of the procedures. I refresh that, you know, just like, you know, you might set up the beakers and the other things in your science experiment. Um, and so it's, it's really in a certain way, quite cut and dried. And, you know, if you have an interest in it, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think today, I think we'll have a chance to turn people on to where they can go learn about this. We can tell them stories. I want us to talk about the idea that when you start working with teams and systems and large group facilitation, how co-leadership is important Absolutely. and aspects of that. Um, but before we get into all of it, let's just take a minute to ground people in sort of the difference in sort of the mindset of if I'm using professional coaching skills per se, and I'm working in a one-on-one -on -one fashion versus the idea of actually team coaching or systems coaching, the way you look at who the client is, is actually quite different. It is. It is. And I also want to make a distinction about the skills um, and, and shift some of the language mm -hmm. in the industry, which we shift in the second version of the IC Agile Learning Objectives, but I don't think it's really gotten out there very far. So that, this feels important to me. So because in a classroom setting, you necessarily learn your first professional coaching skills practicing one-on-one, -on -one, people can start to say these are one-on-one -on -one coaching skills, and they're specifically listening, asking powerful questions, um, maintaining self-management, and then maybe a couple others, right? And we started calling them foundational coaching skills rather than individual or one-on-one -on -one coaching mm -hmm. skills. Because if you don't have not only those skills quite deep, but also the belief system that's up underneath those skills, it's going to be very difficult for you to be effective when you then start to, as you, as you just mentioned, change your focus of who your client is when you start working at the systems level on a team. Yeah, I think there's something really important here, Lisa, and I realized that when I was doing lots of agile training work, I would talk about the journey towards agility 
as being a bi-directional thing from the inside out as well as from the outside in and that it does need to be bi-directional because from the inside out being the things I believe and I hold true and what my values are will then on the outside show up in certain behaviors and techniques and practices as, and so as you shift the things you believe, you behave differently. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can take an outside-in approach by learning new practices, habits, and behaviors that then over time shift the way you believe and, and what your values are through the experience of engaging in different ways. And, and I really think when we get into this idea of, of coaching and that underlying, like, what are those foundational coaching skills and all the things underneath them, so much of this journey is like you know, 80% inside out. And it comes from that inner stance of mindset and belief mm-hmm. versus just like, oh, if I can walk like a duck and talk like a duck, then I can be a duck. Yeah. It's not about just adopting practices. Does that ring true for you? It does. It does. Hey everyone, Natalie Warner here, the President and Executive Director of Women in Agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review. Then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag women in agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a women in agile goodie bag filled with WIA stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening. I love that metaphor. I love the visual that you're giving and I can really get into it. And so if I'm developing, I am still developing myself in this discipline that helps me a lot. Another one that I've been using for years and that I often tell people is this notion that you have an internal operating system. And all these newfangled things like um, systems coaching and even agile frameworks and agile mindset, those things are like apps. And if you install these apps on old operating system, they're probably going to run but they're not going to run very well. You're not going to get all the great features to really run well. And you might even think that the app is kind of crappy, mm-hmm. right? But what's really happening is that the operating system needs to be upgraded. Your internal operating system needs to be upgraded yeah. so that you can run these apps to their full capability. And so yeah. I like that one too. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and what I love is that you kind of pointed and we started this piece of the exploration around like learning just the foundational skills. Because if you try to jump straight to large group facilitation, systems coaching sort of work in absence of Mm -hmm. starting with the fundamentals, um, it's, it's that app's not going to work very well. Yeah. And worse, you can actually cause harm that way because one of the, one of the key things that happens when you start to work from the mindset and the belief set that's underneath professional coaching is that you grow your own leaderfulness. You grow your ability to be of service more often than not to what's number one happening in the moment and number two, what's happening with this group of people, whether it's 200 people in a large group planning session or seven people on a team. And so if you don't get that upgrade of the operating system, 
what can happen is that you just learn more sophisticated ways of manipulating people. Mm-hmm. And people know when they're being manipulated. And so the jig is up and they, and they just won't go with you. Now, we're way, we're way polite in most corporations. So people will look like they're going with you. But then you'll, you might be saying to yourself, God, I'm just not getting, I'm just not getting the results. That I, I've tried this. I've tried that. They're, they're being really nice. They're going with it, but it's just not working. Yeah. You well, don't feel the magic that's possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I do it. I do this all the time. Every single intervention I have with a group, I sort of go through a checklist in my mind of like, how much did I live into the full expression of those skills, the belief that's underneath them. And like, exactly, I actually have an interaction last night where I realized I wasn't listening fully mm. to this person. And so I'm now going to come back around in my next interaction with him and say, so, so I, you know, I scored myself <laughs> on our interaction last night because I'm always wanting to pay attention to how well I'm making this operating system upgrade. Because it is for, you know, I'm in the middle of the upgrade myself. Um, and just, you know, transparently say, here's where I realized I didn't fully listen to you. And I want to now come in and say, I was working in an assumption and just turn myself in on that. And that is such a beautiful story around how to keep relationships clean, Mm -hmm. which is a really important underlying skill for doing this kind of work. Yep. Is being that in modeling what it's like to have that conversation for Mm -hmm. others because I imagine this person you were talking to, he is now like, oh, wow, that was an experience for me to have somebody, or it will be when you circle back with him, mm-hmm. right? You know, oh, wow, that's what it's like to, you know, the impact on me for having that type mm-hmm. of conversation and be more inspired to have that with others. Yeah, exactly. As well. Yeah. And, he, and he might not consciously, actually, nine times out of 10, when I come back, circle around to have this conversation, the person wasn't consciously aware of of something being a little bit off. Mm -hmm. But when I say to them, so, you know, when we were talking about, um, you know, we're talking about how there's um, an inability to be fully authentic with, with the group. Um, I realized I was working the assumption of what group you were talking about. And then found out later in the conversation that it was, that it was something else. And I didn't in that moment turn myself in that I wasn't fully listening to you. Yeah. And I really should have. And I want to just now, circle back. And and so the he may or may not recognize that consciously right now, but it's working him probably mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. It's creating it's it's creating um uh, an unconscious impression about how we're going to work together. And, and what you're pointing to here is so true in systems coaching work. Because you end up just saying little things or doing little things that are like seeds planted. And then you actually, there's so much self-management involved in waiting because you have to, the conditions have to be right within that system for that seed to actually sprout and begin growing. And sometimes that is weeks or months later. Yeah from investments that you make with teams now. And so let's make sure we kind of, we talk about that shift around who client was. Because we sort of, we said, ooh, where is the difference? Yeah. So when you're doing one-on-one coaching, right, is I, you know, Lisa, if you were my coach, I would be your client. It is a one-on-one sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And the difference is it's really easy to unskillfully believe that when you're doing 
team coaching that is like, oh, I'm just coaching a collection of individuals and all these individuals become my client. But really what your client is, is the thing that is the relationship and dynamics of the team, not the individuals themselves at all. And so if you are trained in ORSC, Organization Relationship Systems Coaching, we call that the third entity of that group, whether that group be a pair, a group of seven, or a group of 200. Mm-hmm. And so how would you, if that's sort of a textbook definition of the shift, how would you describe what that shift was like for you and how others can start kind of pivoting their mindset around who the client is? Mm-hmm. This was a really hard shift for me. I mean, so much so that in my very first um, uh, uh, assessment, when I was going through the organization and relationship systems coaching certification program, I failed it so badly that the assessor said, you know, we have what's called an amnesty assessment where you can make it not count. And I'm going to suggest you take that. Mm. I mean, so it was that bad. And the reason why I failed it was that I did not fully believe in the fact that this, the human system I was working with was itself naturally creative and resourceful. Um, I wasn't coaching that third entity, that group spirit. Instead, I was paying attention sort of to all the point-to-point interactions between the individuals, and I was uh, manipulating or manhandling that system to try to get it to be more healthy. Yeah. And, and so that, that was the big shift. I mean, that's why I failed that assessment, failed it so bad. He didn't even want to score it. Um, and he just said like, so here's the deal. Unless you make this shift in your mind, you've just learned more skillful ways to subtly manipulate the group. And that was devastating for me. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, the first thing I ever failed in my entire life And so that was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And what a big shift. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series. The Women in Agile podcast team is honored to be the home for this special content. If you enjoyed the show, we ask you to please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your other preferred podcast platform. That will help us achieve our mission of amplifying the voices of women in our Agile community. As always, a huge thank you to the Women in Agile podcast sponsor, Accenture Solutions IQ. And if you're interested in finding out more about the initiatives from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, we invite you to visit womeninagile.org. Thanks again for tuning in.